podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to episode 4 of the Dishonomous Podcast. This podcast will be covering the autumn statement. I'd like to give a shout out to everybody who's listened to the previous three. For those who haven't followed, you can follow me on SoundCloud at www.soundcloud.com forward slash Dishonomics. And for those who prefer to use iTunes, just search Dishonomics. It's quite straightforward. So kindly subscribe. I think it's subscribe or follow, whatever the jargon is for, for all that stuff there. Anyway, let's get into this one. I'm going to try and make this as quickly as possible. There's quite a lot of information to go through. This is in regards to the autumn statement. This is actually important. It sounds boring. It sounds dull. But if you actually live in the UK, this type of stuff matters to you. Well, it should matter to you because it's to do with your <laughs> future prosperity. Anyway, so basically what happens, the autumn statement is like a pre-budget report from the Treasury who speak to the House of Commons with details of the economic forecast, so basically how poor or how rich we're looking for the foreseeable future. So basically imagine somebody with a PowerPoint presentation telling the class, okay, this is basically how much is in your Barclays, how much your you can make in the next foreseeable future or how much you may lose. So that's essentially what um, the autumn statement was. A quick um, economic definition for you, just in case I mention these terms across the podcast and you don't know what quite what they are. You might hear the term austerity. Austerity is when a government reduces its spending and becomes a bit more conservative, a bit more frugal, a bit more, um, what's the word, stingy, if you would like. It's usually a measure used to control public debts, which is what um, the Chancellor was talking about. our high public debt level and how it's going to increase uh, quite largely due to Brexit. So just imagine um, yourself as a household, let's say you have your student loan debt, your car debt, and let's say you borrowed money from the bank and now your debt is going higher. Even governments, we also, not we, but the government also has debt. So the UK has debt that eventually we're going to have to pay back. And it's been quite like a big story over the last five years about how we're going to reduce that. And I'll get onto that a bit um, further um, on in the podcast. Remember my last podcast for those that listened to about Donald Trump now speaking about fiscal policy and how it's like the balance between government spending and government income. So how much the government spends and how much the government receives via taxation. Austerity is when the gap between the money the government takes in, so like all the taxation money and the money minus the money the government spends, so let's say on schools, um, nuclear bombs, etc. When that gap starts to shrink, that's when austerity comes into play because you obviously need to keep a lid on your expenditure. Now, in terms of the actual autumn statement itself, I want to go through some of the key points that um, I picked up through the statement and then I want to talk about how they will affect us and then we're going to keep it moving. In short, we're doomed, but <laughs> let me just tell you um, what... Um, for Hammond said yesterday. So first of all, he's he was talking about he wants to create like a twenty seven billion buffer, just in case of just to help us in case of the uncertainty caused by Brexit. So in essence, he's put aside twenty seven billion pounds to use to spend just in case like the economy starts to slow, which is possible with all the uncertainty with Brexit. Like companies may not know, ah, oh, should we invest in the UK? I'm not too sure what's going on with Brexit. That causes like slowdown in growth. And he was also talking about how austerity was extended to the next parliament. For example, in March, the 
Office of Budget Responsibility, OBR, I'll keep saying OBR because it's quicker. In March, I'll talk about how we will stop borrowing more than we spend by 2019. So that's three years from now. However, due to the uncertainty of Brexit, etc., the OBR now um, estimates that even in 2021, we'll still be um, borrowing more than we spend. So that's not really much of a good sign for our economy. According to the same um, to the same group, OBR, Brexit will hit the taxpayers hard. They reckon by 2020, so within four years, the average family will be, um, let's say, sorry, take all the average families together, per week will be spending, will be cost, what, £292 million per week due to Brexit. So I think if you do the numbers, that may be roughly like, I don't know, about £500 extra a year per family, which is not really ideal, like, £500 will make a big difference to to average family. Well, maybe not for you ballers. But yeah, so that's um, one of the negative down points that I picked up from the statement. Also, as I said, there's going to be more borrowing. So the next government, we're going to have to, you know, repair the public finances, even though this government was elected to do so, kindly um, due to the, the Brexit voters. So as I was saying, there was a budget surplus expected. The reason why this budget surplus is not going to be expected anymore is because of there's going to be a slowdown in growth. So I'm sure you may have heard the terms GDP. GDP essentially measures the growth in the economy. So if you're saying, okay, the GDP has gone up by 5%, that's just saying like the British economy is growing by 5%. So we're, we're producing, let's say, 5% more than we what we were, which is obviously a good thing. If there's a revision down, so we're saying, okay, I thought GDP was going to grow, so-and-so, what now has gone down to, I think it went from like 2.7% down to one4 That means uh, Phil Hammond is anticipating that we are going to be producing less than what he thought we were. So what does that mean? If you're producing less as an economy, you're spending less, That there's less money being generated in the economy, that means there's less money for the government to receive from taxation. And if the government is receiving less money from consumers and businesses, that means they have less money to fulfil their duties, their governmental duties. Remember I said about fiscal policy, the government spend and the government receives money. So if you've got less money to, you know, pay for, I don't know, hospitals, schools, uh, police services, etc., you're going to have to store, you know, cater to these services. You're going to get the money from somewhere. What are you going to do with that? Where are you going to get the money? From borrowing. So that's why um, the level of borrowing is anticipated to go up. It was expected to... It's supposed to drop over the next three years and cause like a budget surplus. So where, as I said earlier, we're not borrowing more than we're, that we're spending. However, due to Brexit and other factors measured in the statement, Phil Hammond suggested that there's going to be £120 billion more borrowing over the next four years. And 50% of that borrowing is going to be attributed to Brexit due to uncertainty. Plus um, the money he's He's um, pledged to help boost infrastructure, which I'm going to talk about a bit later on. Now, why you listen to my podcast, why I believe to, is because you want to know how these economic events or political events, etc., affect you as an average person. You ain't got time to hear nobody from bank so-and-so talk about bond deals and all that type of stuff. So how does this affect us, the statement? Okay, in terms of the national living wage... The national living wage is currently £7.20 and there was plan for it to increase to around £9 something by 2020. These plans have been like revised down, obviously due to, as I said, the increased borrowing, less, gov- um, less British prosperity in terms of well, 
are we're not going to grow as much because of this um, calamity that has called Brexit. So for Hammond suggested, well, he stated that by April next year, so by the start of the new tax year, the living wage will go up 4%. So it'll go up from £7.20 to £7.50. This is a win for those who are on that um, salary ban because your wages are now rising above inflation. And obviously inflation is essentially the price of money. So if your wages are rising, rising above inflation, essentially you're earning more. You can get like a 10% raise, which, which sounds great. But if inflation is 20%, that means everything that you usually buy is now 20% more expensive, but your wages only got by, gone up by 10%. Effectively, you're worse off. So that's um, maybe a, one of the small positives. How this, could infect the, how this could affect the economy? I have a belief, I'm not really for national minimum wages. It sounds a bit crazy, but it's really not. It's not really economically beneficial, but I'll go on to that in a later podcast. Another thing for the quote-unquote average person, um, they announced that they're looking to ban... Um, fees charged by letting agents uh, letting agents every time a tenant um, you know either renews a tenancy or gets a new tenancy they want to push these fees onto the actual landlords so you know how houses are let's say I have a house it's my house Dysonomics house Benteke also wants to you know rent a room in my house I use a um, an agency the agency will charge Benteke some fees for him to you know essentially sign a tenancy agreement to rent my house it makes sense because these fees should really be charged onto the landlord. So how does it affect you? If you are a person who's renting, you could save their estimate up to £300 a year, which is helpful. £300 makes a big difference <laughs> to, to, the most, to most people. If you are a homeowner and you use like um, any sort of agency, then obviously that's going to be an increase in your cost. And that's going to hit your margin. So the money you'll be making from you know renting your house will um, decrease. And that obviously could have an implement um, could implement honestly called rental prices in London so that's something to look out for in terms of aspiring homeowners for for um, Hammond announced that he wants to build an additional 40,000 of quote-unquote affordable homes they already announced previously they want to build 100,000 homes already so a total of 140,000 homes are planning planning to be built if you remember the first podcast and one of my other um blogs on dysonomics.com about the minor supply. This can make a um what's it called a big um difference in terms of the housing market. Well I don't think it will but it could. If there's more houses on the market, the supply of houses increases. And remember what I said about the minor supply? The more there is of something in supply, the less rare it is. And the less rare it is, the less um, money the supplier can charge for it because there's so many of it out there. So that could help reduce house prices. However, the demand for house pricing, house prices in the UK, especially London, is crazy. And that's probably why um, for Hammond said that 90,000 of those homes will be built inside London. So that's also something to look out for. In terms of uh, taxation, he was waffling on about, uh, you know, cracking down on tax avoidance. He also uh, mentioned something to do with like some of the schemes that companies use for their high earners to kind of like um, reduce the taxation because I'm not sure you may may or may not know there's several salary bans and if you're on a top salary band the taxation is quite heavy it could be up to like 40-50% I can't remember the figure off the top of my head so what companies do is offer like um, shares instead so they can you know um, enjoy the tax breaks so the government is looking to crack down on that 
there wasn't much talk about how they're going to crack down on the big, big companies finessing the tax system. Obviously, they weren't. However, there was like um, a small boost to the quote-unquote um, lower income earners that the lower band of um, initial taxation. So if you earn up to £12,500 now, you will not be taxed, whereas last year's around 11500 So that's a good thing, especially for, let's say, university students, kids in sixth form, people um, people minimum wage that, or working in retail or supermarkets, etc., who who their gross income will be around eleven to twelve thousand. So you or thirteen thousand, you'll be paying less tax than you would have been before. In terms of savers, uh, Phil Hammer said that after the spring statement, he he plans to announce his quote unquote market leading new savings bond, which will be target will be targeting those with like kind of quote unquote modest savings. So those do not have crazy amounts in a savings um, savings account. And they haven't been saving much because there's no incentive to save. Why is there no incentive to save? Because interest rates are low. Why would you save if you only get 0.5% interest rates on your money? So let's say you lock away £10,000 of your money and across the year you only make 0.5 on top of that. That wouldn't really encourage you to save. So that's what the government is trying to encourage, especially those with um, lower savings to um, save more. So I think the scheme is something like an interest rate of 2.2%, which is okay across three years, up to £3,000, so kind of targeting the lower end savers. This is a bit of a cheeky bit of propaganda because, as as I said, it's going to be announced, it's going to be implemented after the spring statement, when spring, 2017. What happens three years after 2017? 2020, which is roughly an election year. So that's kind of something to, to look out for. So in conclusion... The statement was really kind of doom and gloom because really and truly it's just saying we're gonna it's gonna be a bit of a struggle. We're not going to earn as much as an economy. We're gonna have to, you know, make cuts here and there. He didn't announce any further additional cuts in terms of welfare. I don't think they'll do that at this stage. They will as time goes on. And finally for okay, I doubt I'm not too sure how many pensioners are listening to this, but some of you Will are likely to have um, friends or family that of that um, demographic, but there was announcement that pensioners might have to let go of generous annual uprating post twenty twenty. So what is that? Um, each year, um, pension payments will increase to kind of protect pensioners' money against um, the market quote unquote inflation, so they're not losing money. So if the government is planning to you know kind of forego this this kind of puts some pensioners in a potentially bad spot because their money may not be, you know, protected against inflation as it is. So that's just like another negative um, outcome from the statement because pensions take up a massive part of um, the welfare budget. In fact, it's one of the biggest contributors to um, government expenditure. So that's also something to look out for. So in conclusion, we're kind of seeing the first signs, well, maybe it's like the first real taste of the British people can see of the effects of um, Brexit. Um, I was even also reading the Credit Suisse um, World's Wealth Report um, earlier on this week, and they mentioned that British um, households and institutions have lost £1.2 trillion of wealth since Brexit, um, due to Brexit this year. £1.2 trillion, billion. <laughs> That's a lot of money. So I think this is like the first real like hardcore receipts of the impact impact of Brexit that our economy is going to face because 
soon after Brexit, we weren't really seeing much in terms of the jobs market. Maybe those who worked in more professional industries in London could testify to the the, um, the immediate changes. There's going to be a slowdown of, of investment because companies aren't really knowing what's going to, going to happen with your business. So I think this is like a, the real first taste of Brexit that's going to hit them, the UK people. So that's something to look out for. I'll, I'll always be talking about Brexit on my own personal Twitter, um, www.twitter.com forward slash thisunomics. So you can hit me up on there. But any questions about anything you've read in the annual report or anything remotely economics based, just tweet me. But yeah, thank you for listening. I should have some sort of blog post at some point in the future. I'm going to give a date because you're going to have to ask me questions. I don't like answering questions <laughs> with regards to that. But yeah, thank you for listening and have a fantastic week and weekend. Sports Social Podcast Network.